It's a global pandemic. Still, like it always has been for the last 26 weeks. And all along the way, Staring at Goats has been there to guide you, to hold your hand as we cross the hellscape together uh, as a group, because you only survive this in groups, but small groups that are distant six feet apart, all with masks. Uh, so it's really not a group, it's just a bunch of individuals trying to survive. Hello, welcome to Staring at Goats. I'm your host, Steven, joined as always by the amazing, the wonderful, the Jacob. And Hello. Jacob... This week, we are joined by the man himself, Sean of Gene Pool Variety Hour fame, who put his big hey face on, uh, on Dragon Con's, had a Dragon Con panel this year, and that was a big yeah, deal. Yeah, that, that cherry has been popped. <laughs> You've so. done it. I was going to say, he's, not only did he do it, but he did it in, in pretty good fashion. I mean, I watched, I watched his panel. He was, he was the star of the show. He's kicking it. He knows yeah. what's up. I try. I try. We've been. How did we? How did we all meet, Sean? We met at Dragon Con, right? That was last Dragon year. Con last year. Yeah. Yep, yeah. Absolutely. Last year. Yeah. I mean, I, I came and I um, saw you guys in some panels, and then I watched you guys at your live show, and you mentioned your Discord. I hopped on your Discord right after Dragon Con, and that's all she wrote. The rest is history. Take it from, rest from is history, Sean. Baby. You just go meet people, and then you're before you know it, you're in a community having some fun, doing cool stuff. Uh, so, so that's Sean, great. I gotta ask, you were there, you were live. You remember yeah. Dragon Con last year? Their live H and H show yep. at Dragon Con. You got to tell the people. I keep telling them that it was a pretty rad show. It was a packed house. A lot of people had a lot of fun. But I want to hear your experience straight from your mouth because I haven't had a chance to ask you. I I thought it was I I'd never seen you guys before. I never watched you guys before. I thought it was great and it was just I assumed that everybody in that room were just your followers anyway, not just random people that kind of showed up. You know, so I'm like, wow, they're pretty good and then I come to find out that there half the people in there were just random randos that showed up and said, "Hey, we'll watch them." Kind of like yeah. Connor and I did. <laughs> so, hey, we'll go watch them. Sure, why not? You know, <laughs> I'm so glad. I'm so glad you did, um, and I'm so glad that you decided to join our Discord and and hang out because it's yeah. been a pleasure having you as part of the community, and it's since um, led to you and you being a part of this. Uh, coming on Staring at Ghosts to talk to us and, and be on the show for this. Uh, but yeah, shoot, yep. shout out for Connor too because he's in our, our Discord over at tudorks.net slash Discord yep. if you want to join a jolly group of, of goobers uh, on the internet. <laughs> that's that's the place to do it. Um, but yeah, so let's get right into this thing, man. You are in a unique position to be on this show this weekend, and I'm not happy about it. Uh, I'm actually pretty bummed out about it, yeah. but... Tell the people why why you're in a unique position to be talking about COVID nineteen today. Well, we were just talking before we went live that I, I guess I'm kind of like the typhoid Mary uh, of the group because um, I have lots of COVID going on in, in my family. Um, it started back in the spring. My my 21 year old son um, was doing some CNA work at a nursing home, working just with COVID patients. And he was staying here because, of course, he's an Auburn student, but they had been, you know, sent home and were working, you know, going to school remotely. So we had to put Institute 
where he came in with his scrubs, literally stripped naked in the garage, dumped him in a can, went straight to the shower. And then I took his stuff and washed his scrubs every day without touching anything and then sanitized everything. That was just our daily routine. And he went the entire three or four months he was doing that, never got COVID. Went back to Auburn and within two weeks he had COVID. Because it's Eagle, baby. War Eagle, yeah. <laughs> it's, all, it's Auburn and, you know, there's just – I mean, and and he took pretty good precautions, like going to class. But when he was hanging out with, you know, he's in our uh, Air Force ROTC, and he was hanging out with those guys, and it it started going through the ROTC, and so um, that happened. So he had been home all that weekend after he got it, before he was symptomatic, and so my wife Kelly and I, we had to get tested, tested negative, just fine, asymptomatic, no problem. Then last week happened. <laughs> And I was out of town. I was out of town last weekend for work. And my wife went to church and got in contact with it at church. Um, was asymptomatic Monday and Tuesday, Sunday, Monday and Tuesday. Uh, I got home Sunday night, um, but evidently she had gotten it there. Started showing symptoms on Tuesday. Of course, I get home on Sunday. I, you know, I have a wife of 30 years. We're sleeping in the same bed. I kiss her goodnight. I kiss her, you know, and I go to work in the morning. So for the first three days that she's got it, there's no social distancing. We didn't see a need to. Then she started showing symptoms. Um, so she got tested and her results came back last Friday. She's positive. Uh, so my son's had it. My wife's got it. And I don't think a lot of people realize that it's not just you get sick. It's it's the ripple effect that happens after that because my wife, uh, I have a cousin who is an elementary, uh, a kindergarten teacher has been for years and she has two adult sons on the autism spectrum. And so my wife was hired by the company that takes care of them. So she, she does in-home care for them every day. Um, she found out today that one of them tested positive for COVID because she had been there before she showed symptoms and then he got it. That's how, that's how, and, and she was staying outside or staying in the basement. They stay in their rooms. I mean, there, there couldn't be any more social distancing going on. Um, so that's how contagious it is. So he got it. Well, now that he got it, my cousin, who's a teacher has to stay home until October 8th. So now she's not there to teach all the kindergarten students. So it just, that one thing where, I mean, just within a span of days has affected couple hundred people yeah. you know you know so um that's that's life with covid it's not just you get sick you get over it or it gets worse you know there's people that have to completely readjust their entire lives just to avoid getting it or avoid spreading it in case they have it right so, so that's the life we've had you leading into this what was your quarantine circle like i mean i know that you talk about you both worked and you both did um you had kids that worked and you had kids in and out of the house. Um, can you describe what that kind of circle looks like? Cause I'm, I guess I'm, I've always heard that this thing travels quickly. It travels fast. It's very contagious. And yeah. uh, a lot of people around you will get it if you get it, but listening right. to you, I'm going, Oh wow, this was this in real life talking mm -hmm. to somebody. It seems a lot worse. So I guess how is your quarantine circle set up? And I guess give the people a flavor of of kind of what what that looks like, and maybe they can compare it to what they're what yeah. they're experiencing. 
Well, I mean, I work for the military, so I have to go and I, I work down at Fort Benning to here in Georgia. But our unit is we're, we've been very good about social distancing, wearing a mask. If you're not if you're not in your office by yourself, you're wearing a mask. So that's been very good. We had two cases early on and that's all we've had in the unit and it didn't spread. Um, so that hasn't been a problem. We've been very good at those circles here in the house because my wife generally would go and take care of my cousin's two sons and be home. And I would be down there where we're all social distancing and wearing masks and come home. You know, there wasn't much need for that in the house, you know, um, when my when my college son, when Luke was home and he was doing all the CNA work and all that exposure, we definitely did a lot of social distancing with him. We didn't do masks, but we never got within six feet of each other. And it was fine. We had no problems with that. But if you get it, those first couple of days before you start showing start showing symptoms, damage can happen before you realize it. And then yeah. it's too late, you know, um, and that's what we're dealing with right now. Yeah. So in your immediate circle, you it sounds like you had about four or five folks maybe in your immediate circle. And then I guess your first layer, maybe 10 or 12, it sounds like. Yep. Yep. Okay. Pretty much. You know, I mean, we we um, Kelly and I are, are not one of those those type of people that live in fear of this, but we're not ignorant of it. Um, you know, I not to get political, but there's different opinions on either side. Um, It's like, I've told people all the time, you know, yes, I'm a conservative guy, but I'm also an educated guy. I mean, don't be stupid. Right. And, and so we've always been good about that. We were reluctant to start going back to church because our church was doing online. And so we did that for a lot longer than a lot of other people. They started going back to church and we're like, Nope, we're not doing that. And we relaxed, we relaxed our, our standards a little bit and started going back and, and everything was social distance in our church. They had arranged it very well, but apparently somebody came in not knowing that they had it and boom, there it went. Yeah. Did um, anybody else in the church now test positive now that you're. Oh, there's about, uh, last I heard, and I'm, this is not a confirmed number, but last I heard about 20. Wow. In a week. Mm, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just. It's, it's one of those kind of things that it just happened because if you're if you're in close contact like that, even if you don't know that you have it, it's going to spread real fast. Um, and I don't think anybody has had really severe symptoms. I haven't heard of anybody having severe symptoms. Um, Kelly has had the highest 101 temperature um, and it keeps coming and going. Um, just flu like symptoms is really what she's got going on. Nothing, nothing more. No respiratory stuff yet. Um, but yeah, it's like I was, I was talking to Jacob, uh, yesterday, I think that, you know, she and I had to sit down and start having conversations about putting together, okay, what's, what's our decision point? What's our decision criteria for going to the hospital? Let's mm-hmm. operationally define, you know, she said, well, if I start having trouble breathing, okay. Scientific method, what's the operational definition of trouble breathing? You know, <laughs> so tell me what that is. I said, because one, let's be specific. And two, I'm a dude. I need you to be specific because I won't make a good judgment. <laughs> So just tell me when to take you to the hospital. So so we've had to have those conversations, and that's just not the kind of conversation anybody expects to have to have, you know? Yeah. I'm interested. And I like, know the, we're going to – go ahead. I was, I was going to bounce back to the church's thing because what I find interesting is that you're, you're seeing a lot of places, and this includes any other mass gathering kind of place, but they're all insisting – this is schools, gyms, churches, whatever – we're doing everything, we're spacing out, everybody's got masks – but in some of these places, there are habits that die hard. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you're you're walking into a church, and for a lot of people, that's family. Um, yeah, and they're 
they're not gonna not shake hands and not give each other a hug and be like oh i'm just gonna yeah. give you a real quick hug no problem back up mm-hmm. oh COVID 19 and it's kind of right. you you do relax your standards for for family or for people you're close yeah. to yeah to try yeah. and work in and feel normal and i think i think right. you're cracking the door and some people are walking in and just cracking it a little bit more and and in your mm-hmm. case, it seems unfortunate that the person who wanted to to crack the door open a little more is the one person that shouldn't have. Yeah, you know, and and going back into the into the sanctuary and going back to services, there hasn't been that. People have been very good about not shaking hands and keeping distance. I mean, they have they have a seating chart. You know, we mm-hmm. we divide into two services, and they said, okay, how many of your family are coming, and which service are you coming to? That's going to be your spot. And so you go to your spot, you sit down, and you're distanced from everybody. And, you know, my wife said that she talked to one person at church that day, and they were socially distanced, and they weren't wearing masks, but they were socially distanced, and she didn't talk to anybody else, really. So yeah. she doesn't know how it happened. It just happened. Um, that just goes to show you that whether it's a church or a school or gym or whatever, you can put all the things in place that you can, that are the right things to do, that are the good things to do. And it doesn't always work. I mean, my wife is retired cardiovascular PA. She used to work in heart surgery. She knows, you know, sterile technique and all those kind of things of anybody to get it. If she got it, anybody can get it. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it it's just it just goes to show that no matter what precautions you put in place, there's always a a chance with something this contagious that it, it can just you can be the unlucky one that day. Um, I know it's been hard for yeah. me to not be a not. I'm like Kelly was saying in the chat, we're huggers. Uh, I'm I'm a hugger. Yeah. I love hugging. Yeah. Like it's it's yeah. a great way to greet people that you care about. One of our our close friends, Jacob and I's close friends, we can't hug him and like. He's our yeah. he's our our brotato. He's a third one, and he <laughs> every time we've seen him, it's like hi. <laughs> he's just like waving yeah. each other because it's all you got. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and I mean, like yesterday and today, you know, because you know Kelly is quarantining in the bedroom upstairs. I'm quarantining downstairs, which is good because that's where the big TV is. And <laughs> and you know, but uh, I'll priorities go, there. You know, priorities. I'm always, I'm always going up and checking on her and if she needs anything, and you know, I'll open the door a crack and talk to her. But I noticed yesterday that I'm sitting there with the door open, the air conditioner is on, so then it creates a breeze in the house. And I I literally felt a breeze going from the bedroom through the door and blowing onto me. And I started getting a little anxious and uptight, and I felt a little congestion in my head. And then it went away when I got up today, and then I was talking to her, the same thing was happening today. And and I'm like, okay, I'm just going to stand back. We're going to Google Duo. We're going to Duo chat, you know, from now on for a while. And I felt like it's kind of like that whole bubble, the boy in the bubble in reverse. It was blowing mm-hmm. on me instead of away. Yeah. So it's man, just but- weird, man. You just don't think you have to do that kind of stuff. Yeah. Now, before, let's let's take you back to before this episode. What was yeah. your quarantine like? I mean, did you, what, what kind of precautions were you taking? What were your comfort levels associated with going yeah. out, et cetera? Well, I, ne- I was never one of those that, was running in fear and refused to go out. I mean, you know, when they first told us everybody shut down for two weeks, however long it was at the very beginning, when you go out the very first time, it's like, okay, I'm going out into the nuclear wasteland kind of thing. That's the first feeling you get, but that's about it. I mean, I have no problems going, going to the store, doing what I need to do. I just make sure I'm masked and I make sure I stay separate from everybody. Don't get close to people. I just follow precautions. Um, Because I think if we do live our lives in 
fear, then that just makes it that much worse. That adds the isolation and the anxiety on top of the, the medical anxiety that's already there. Definitely. And um, I think that's just that's just needless stress. Yeah. Don't need it. You know, now, how populated of an area do you live in? Is it is it one where there are people on top of people on top of people or are you more in an isolated no, area? No, it's I mean, you know, you guys know what Auburn about the size of Auburn. It's smaller than that. OK, it's it's about 55 miles, 60 miles south of Atlanta. Um, small little town. But I mean, still, yeah, it's Walmart. Walmart's always packed. <laughs> That's true. You know, yeah. it doesn't matter which Walmart you go to. There's more people in Walmart than there are in the town. I mean, that's just the way it is. So um, but, you know, you just you just be smart about it. If you're in line to check out, you just don't stand next to the person. You stand back and, and you don't breathe on people. You wear your mask and and. You know, you can be smart about it. And I think by and large, most people have been, at least around me, that I've seen. Um, of course, just last night, I had to run. I ran over to one sto- one of the little convenience stores or something to get some some Tylenol for Kelly for her, you know, the fever that she was struggling with. I go up to the door. First, as I'm going at the door, some guy's walking out with no mask on to a truck that's blaring ACDC. And he looks at me funny because I'm wearing a mask. I go to the door and it, there's clearly signs in English and Spanish. Masks are required. I immediately walk in the door and there's four people standing in line to check out. Nobody's wearing a mask. Not only are they not wearing a mask, nobody working the store is wearing a mask. And I'm like, do you people read? Uh, <laughs> no. You know, I mean, <laughs> apparently not. So, you know, what, uh, what that is frustrating. Because- What's the enforcement like, though? Yeah, but how does a grocery store clerk enforce the policy if the management doesn't enforce it? They don't have a security guard of some kind doing that. Like, our freaking library up the street has a security guard posted there all day. And all you can do is go in the lobby and either pick up a bag of books you've pre-ordered or dump books off. And they have a security guard at the door for a 10 by 10 square uh, that you're allowed to go into. Um, but yeah, I don't know how they, they police it. And I know where, I know where you're, you're at. My uncle actually lives there. So I'm actually happy to know that most people are abiding by the rules. Cause I'm like, yeah. oh, my uncle's safe. Uh, yeah, that's good that you've had that yeah. experience. <laughs> Granted, a lot of people are wearing their masks like this, you know, they're oh, still yeah. like covering up their nose. I'm like, idiots. Sorry. That's, but, you know, I mean, you know, just, I, just be I, smart. One of the things that I've struggled with is whenever I'm in a situation like what you were just in at at the convenience store, it's what do you do in those situations? Because I don't want to be in in close proximity to them. I'm wearing a cloth mask, not for my protection, but for theirs. Hell, do you go back into your your truck and grab your N95 and say, forget these people? I really don't care. I'm going to protect myself. Uh, Where uh, where are you at in that kind of a spectrum? Because I I know I would struggle. I'd turn around, walk out, go grab my N95. Well, I mean, I, I have I have a good mask and I had it on. So, I mean, I, I, you know, I was wearing mine and I'm like, OK, I'm I'm protecting them. They're not doing anything to protect me, but I'm keeping my distance. I did struggle with it when I got home. I told Kelly, I says I almost turned back around and went inside and talked to the, 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 the workers, because by the time I checked out, I was the only customer left in there. So it had just been me and them. You know, I wouldn't have been the type of person that would have made one of these huge viral video deals in front of all the customers and stuff. But just to go talk to the, the, the staff and say, hey, look. You have a sign on your door and you're not even following it. So how can you expect your customers to follow it? And yes, you've got a plexiglass screen right there, but apparently that's not going to be good enough. You need to wear a mask. It's pretty simple, guys. You know, and the thing that I hate is all everybody that's saying it's an infringement on your rights, yada, yada, yada. So it's a speed limit. 
Mm-hmm. You know, it's there for a reason to keep you safe. If you choose not to follow it, you're going to get a ticket or whatever. I got no problems with that. But, you know, it just it's OK. It's an infringement on everybody's rights. But you know what? Life and death is kind of important. So, you know. Well, yeah. it, it would be different if we weren't in the middle of a global pandemic. If if this yeah. was just a normal, everyday, run-of-the-mill year, if it was 2019 and all of a sudden somebody came out and said, we're going to force you to wear masks just because, you know, I think it would be good for our society. Then I'm right. on your side, 100%. Right. But when we're talking yeah. about a global pandemic, all of a sudden it rewrites the rules of what is acceptable Absolutely. and what is not. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. You know what? Have your opinions, but just be smart. You know, I'm still stuck on imagining Sean outside of Piggly Wiggly throwing up his phone and going, "Sub G Pool Variety Hour, fam! I'm about to walk in this place and show you what's going on." Like that's what I want. No mask. Come on, drop it down. (laughs) So I'm I'm gonna need that to happen next time, Sean. I'm putting in an order. Uh, All right. (laughs) Just run up and badger the first guy you see. There you go. There you go. What was the guy from Target last week that we talked about where they all took off their masks and had to oh, run around Target where yeah. screaming at the people that were wearing masks? That's gonna Swinging be Twisted Sister. Yeah. That's, that's what gonna... it is. Twisted Yeah. 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 <laughs> we're not going to take it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And you saw D. Snyder called them out and called them idiots, right? Yes. And he said, yeah. don't, don't use our. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Don't use our song for to be stupid. Come on, everybody. Yeah. yeah. No, that's um yeah, that's you're you're definitely it seems like everywhere you go, you're dealing with this whole let my mask hang down under my nose or not wear one at all shenanigans. Yeah. The ones the ones that drive me most crazy is when they have it literally pulled down and hanging off their chin. Like it's like the chin to the neck is the only thing they have covered. And I'm like, what right. You look stupid and you're just you're killing mm-hmm. me. Just put the mask so- on. I, I do have something for that, Stephen, because this past week I was at work and I'm in my office most of the time, which I've got an office by myself. And I walked over to the lab. And whenever you walk anywhere in the building, you have to put your mask on. So I walked into the lab. I did my thing. I had my mask on the entire time. I walked back to my office to grab a, a, a sip of coffee. So I pulled my mask down around my chin and took a sip of coffee and then stood there and answered an email and took another sip of coffee. And somebody walked by and I had my mask around my chin. The only thing I could think of was, I bet that person thinks that I'm a douche and I don't know how to wear my mask. Yep. (laughs) Yep. They've judged you already. It doesn't matter what your intention was. It's already happened. You put up a big billboard that said, I'm silly. Um, Sean, I did want to ask, you're in a, a unique position in your profession to kind of mm-hmm. see more of this anxiety and depression kind of stuff alongside COVID. Have you seen any major changes from that perspective or seen any issues with people that way? Yeah. You know, I mean, my primary job is working for the military and, and so not so much there, mm-hmm. you know, there are other issues and they're, of course, they're not going to talk much about problems anyway, cause that's just the way they are. Right. But um, I also do some some online therapy in the evenings, and it's grown exponentially there. I've had people that have joined, you know, that service to to get counseling specifically for those things. And it's not just the anxiety over getting sick and and illness and all that kind of stuff, but it's the depression over the isolation, and they feel a loss of direction. And yeah, so that's that's become a large part of my uh, online practice in the evenings lately. Yeah. What's a what's like the suitable? You don't have to go too deep into it, but like, what is some of the encouraging things that you've been trying to help people out with as far as 
dealing with that condition in this, you know, unique world. I, I try. I, look, I try to get them to just focus on the data. It's like, look, we have mm-hmm. we have risks, but we have ways to mitigate that risk. And if you mitigate that risk, yes, it's going to cut your chances, your risk by this percentage. Just focus on the data, because what happens is they let the emotional side of their brain take off and they follow it down that rabbit hole. And they're doing emotional thinking. And when you're doing emotional thinking, it's never healthy. It's never going to turn out well. <laughs> so go back. I always like get back to the data. Don't argue with the data. Go back to it. And so we just look at all their emotional thoughts and their anxiety and how those thoughts take them down that road and turn it the other way and say, okay, but let's go back and look at what are the things that you're actually doing to mitigate that? And what are the ways that you're managing that stress, you know, for health and, and all of that stuff. And so that's kind of the approach. Of course, that's kind of the approach that I do with everybody. It doesn't have to yeah. do with just with COVID. It's just, that's just how I approach therapy anyway. Wrangling the cognitive distortion. <laughs> there you go. That's, that's what it is. That's my, that my wife uses that term all the time. She's like, it's a cognitive distortion. I'm like, but, but I'm, I'm not as good as other people. She's like, cognitive <laughs> distortion, pull it together. Think about it yep. for a second. Yep. Like, all right. Yep. Yep. <laughs> But Jacob, did you want to cover? Yeah, I was gonna pump, pump, no, throw it at you. No, no, you're good. You ask your question. Oh no, I was gonna. I was curious if if um, he think if Sean, you think the rise in your online practice at night. Um, do you think people aren't going out to see their their normal uh, counseling, or is it just because? they need additional support beyond what they're currently getting or, or do you think this is all new cases? No, these are new cases. These are not people that are going to see me in addition to somebody else because ethically they're not, we're not supposed to do that anyway. You're not supposed to see a patient that's seeing someone for the same stuff. So uh, these are, and a lot of times they're, they're people that are afraid to go out um, or they have jobs that, that have made it difficult and they're, they're, you know, teleworking anyway. And this service is out there for them available. Um, and so it's just easy because they're so used to pretty much doing everything at home now. This just allows them to do it that way as well, which is going to be great for, for the mental health field after all this, because it's just opening up an avenue for, for services for people that may be homebound for other reasons besides COVID. Yeah. So now yeah. what about the connectivity with people uh, through Zoom calls? I mean, I'm I'm mm-hmm. used to seeing people face to face, having yep. a discussion with them, obviously a doctor having a discussion with them face to face. Do you yep. find this technology driven landscape of being able to connect with them remotely more challenging or do you find it just as easy as if they were coming in to speak to you in person? I definitely find it more challenging, but I'm kind of old school. I like the old school you're sitting over there i'm sitting here we're looking face to face in my office and talking because i get it i can get their body language i can get their nonverbal communication that's going on um and and when you're doing a zoom call you know you get some of that but you pretty much just get this you know you don't get the squirming in the sea the wringing of their hands or anything like that so you miss a lot of that um which is actually helping me learn to be more observant of little subtle things to pick up on things that I may not have normally noticed before. So it's helping me a little bit there. Um, the tricky part is a lot of this online therapy is done through like a messaging service. So I don't see them at all. And so it's just looking at how they word things and it's how, you know, if they use emojis or if they, you know, so it's, it's kind of trying to find nonverbal communication in between the words on the screen, which is a wholly new skill that I'm having to learn. But 
I'm trying to be an old dog teaching myself new tricks because this is kind of the direction that the mental health field is probably going to go long term anyway. So better to be on it now than try to catch up later. So, I just imagine I, your, your your clients calling into a Zoom call with like the background from the <laughs> Cheers set or something. You're like, I'm finding it real hard to take you seriously while you're sitting there at the Cheers <laughs> bar. But OK. Yeah, we, we had I have my. Uh, my my uh, Wednesday morning men's Bible study was this morning, and I had to flip that around because I didn't. I, not that there's anything appropriate inappropriate with it. I was just going to say, what in the world do you have on the back of your screen? I'm like, no, just turn it around. So just not even bother with it. <laughs> That's awesome. I mean, so before COVID even hit, the we were really moving in more of a telemedicine path way anyway was this something mm -hmm. that you had even looked yeah. at prior to covid hitting in march or was this something that you're oh. like yeah we'll get there in five or ten years it'll come but i'm not i'm not prepared for it yet no i i'd actually been doing uh this online therapy stuff with this service for about a year before covid hit um okay. i'd so because i'd seen okay we're going in this direction um and of course with the job that i have right now I, I'm comfortable in it. It's a it's a government contracting job, so it's probably going to be there for a while. But I need to have this skill honed for down the road, regardless of what's going on, right? And so I started about been doing it for about a year and a half now, um, and it didn't it didn't hurt the fact that the the military unit that I work for were you know we're based here in Georgia at Fort Benning, but we also have detachments in Savannah, Georgia and in Tacoma, Washington. And I have to take care of those guys too. Ooh. So I have to travel there a lot, but then a lot of it's also telework type stuff anyway. So I've already been kind of doing it anyway. And then I say, well, I just might as well just, just dive right into it and get used to it because I'm more of an introvert and it's going to be, it's hard for me to do it. So I'm just having to dive in and just get, you know, systematic desensitization, just get used to it <laughs> until yeah, I'm yeah. comfortable with it. Right. I always well, love when when uh, yeah. podcasters talk about themselves as being introverts. Like we're we're all we would all classify ourselves as introverts, yet we sit on the internet yeah. and talk at strangers for an hour and a half. Ah, uh, but we talk at strangers, not so much with strangers. There you go. <laughs> Who's got the control of the microphone? That's the that's the key there. Yeah. Well, and that's another reason why we changed some of the the way we did this show by bringing yeah. guest hosts on was really so yeah. that we can not only connect with strangers, but we can also connect with you guys, the community. And, right. and I think that's something that's that's really the show has benefited from. So, yeah, 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 for sure. Well, we've been we've been cracking at this for like 30 minutes. You, Jacob, you want to you want you got your final questions? My final question for you. Well, I got okay. two really okay. altruism. I know that yeah. you're deeply involved in the church, and I know that yeah. church relies heavily on people and giving and those kinds of things. Uh, sure. Have you seen any dramatic changes, good or bad, in the way people are approaching giving, uh, not only to churches, but let's say charities or co other com community organizations? I haven't, I haven't seen it personally um, for a couple of reasons. One, because I'm down they're working with the military and it's, so I'm kind of isolated from just the general community a lot, gotcha. you know, with the work that I'm doing. Um, and since this hit, you know, that's one of the things that's been frustrating is that that sense of community with your, your local church has, has taken a hit, even though we're seeing each other on zoom calls and we're doing Bible studies on zoom calls and we're doing church and we're starting to get back into church that, that living life together um, is just not what it used to be. And I yeah. don't know how that's how and when that's going to come back. Um, and so that's been hard. 
Um, I know just being out and about, I've seen more people being cognizant of things and being helpful of people and getting out of people's way. And I've seen that just in day-to-day living, but as far as specific, you know, charity work and that kind of stuff, I, I haven't been around it enough to be able to answer that one. Okay. Yeah, I was just curious because yeah. I, I know that yeah. in the, every local area, it's a little bit different. And then right. the last question before we really move on to some of the other stuff sure. that we're going to do tonight. Um, what's the strangest quarantine activity that you did while you were quarantined for the last six months? Strangest. Oh, God. Um, I sit on my couch a lot. I, that's not strange. I'm trying to think. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, what is the strangest thing I've done? Um, I, I, I'm kind of boring. I don't think I've done anything weird. And if I did, it probably wouldn't be something I could tell you on the stream anyway. So, you know, (laughs) that's a good answer, right? (laughs) Well, here, did you get, did you get your Xbox pre-ordered? No, I did not. Don't plan on it. Okay. No, I I had, no, I had a bunch of friends that were frantically looking into getting that done. And I'm like, you know what? I got time to wait. I got bigger fish to fry than that right now. So I'll get one. I'm just not going to stand in line for it right now. <laughs> there you go. Well, let's let's roll on a little bit. Um, so I, I had wrote down what I've been doing the last week. And I just wrote down I miss trivia. Um, because we used to do trivia once a month, Jacob, me, uh, our buddy Wally and our buddy C Mitch, uh, and formerly Lando before he moved to Seattle, would go out to trivia a Wednesday night once a month. And I miss doing that. Uh, and I don't know how much is it's the trivia or just going somewhere with my buddies and drinking beer and eating wings and having a burger. Um, that is like, I saw the post tonight from the trivia guy. He always posts on Facebook, going to be at Woody's tonight or going to be at this place tonight. And I'm like, that's nice. I don't, I wish I could come, but y'all are nuts for dining in a restaurant. Cause we learned last week, 50% of adults with COVID have dined at a restaurant. Um, so we, I'm not going, uh, I appreciate the fact that you're trying, but I've been to Woody's. You can't space in that Mm -hmm. place. I don't know (laughs) what they're talking about. Um, right. It's, it's a bar. Uh, that's just not going to happen. A bar that serves food. Therefore it's a restaurant. Um, but yeah, I, I miss, I miss that, that camaraderie. Uh, and I miss C Mitch. I work with him, but we're not, we're not allowed in our building. I haven't seen him since March. Like since we yeah. we shut down initially, and that's that's hard. And Wally, yeah. we got him married, but that was the last time I saw him. Um, really, yeah. just uh, am 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 yearning for that uh, bro time, uh, for lack of mm-hmm. a better word. Just last night yeah. we kind of had it. Jacob, Jacob, and I got to go out and start a fire, which is a manly activity for a couple people to yeah. do. Um, and that was that was a lot of fun. And I think Stephanie and I both got home and said, we were like, tonight was good. It was good. Wow. We had her her dad and mom there. We had, you know, the kids there. Uh it was just a really nice time sitting with each other in the in the in nature, yeah. listening to the firewood crack. Um yeah. and I think yeah. we're gonna need to do that more throughout the fall if we intend to survive. Because um, right. <laughs> it was really nurturing. Uh, for my soul, yeah. even it's the same people I've been around a bunch, but it's the activity we did somehow uh-huh. fire has a way of, of bringing you up somehow. It's like sitting next to a river yeah. has that vibe or sitting next to the ocean. Um, yeah. Fire does that too. And it was, it was just really cool. So Jacob, thank you yeah. for inviting us over last night for that. 
Yeah, man. Actually, it, it wasn't the fire that lit you up. It was the s'morios. <laughs> You're okay. Okay, you got me. Uh, it was they the were s'morio. Like the double, so there were two double-stuffed Oreos with a yep. s'mores in between. It wasn't like just you took the Oreo apart and put the stuff in between. <laughs> no, we took two double-stuffed Oreos and made a s'mores out of that. That's so the reason why it was such a good time. <laughs> I saw the glory of that picture on the Discord, yes. Oh, it was amazing. <laughs> I, a++ plus plus would eat again. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I wrote in uh, in the uh, roundtable this uh, for for my part is um, the lack of connections with friends and coworkers, mm. and I'll, mm-hmm. I'll get into this a little bit because yeah. um, I go to work twice a week now, Tuesdays and Thursdays. So I try to keep a routine schedule. Um, our building's operating at about 30 to 40% capacity. And the reason why is because we're in the healthcare field. So we're doing a lot of research on a lot of um, very uh, topical things mm-hmm. um, in our building and and uh, other things that projects that really um, obviously help um, the overall healthcare system. Right. So uh, we're, we're considered essential employees. So we're still operating at a minute reduced capacity. And I don't get a chance to see most of my coworkers when we're in the building, even at the 34 to 40% reduced capacity, I see maybe one or two coworkers in a given day. Um, I may get a chance to connect with one of them on a fairly personal level or actually could have a conversation with them. But this is something that is completely foreign to me. I mean, I am normally, I'd have spoken about this before, but normally I'm a hugger. I I like to talk to people. I'm a very outgoing person. I I love to connect with people. um, And and I love to find out what's going on with people. And this week, um, I was able to talk to a buddy of mine. And this buddy of mine, um, whenever I say he's, he's also a coworker, but whenever I say buddy, I've known him for 12 years. We've played on the same softball team every week for five years straight. We've drank more beer together. I think than I, most people that I know, um, uh, whenever I say buddy, he's a good friend. And, um, yeah. I, I saw him and, and he looked trim and I'm like, you know, I put on COVID-19 you've taken off COVID-19. And uh, he kind of chuckled for a second. He was like, yeah, I had surgery. And I said, hey, man, is everything all right? And so he took me off to the side and he tells me the story about how he's had cancer and he's got diagnosed with cancer. And it's the same cancer that took ESPN reporter Stuart Scott. Um, and it's a very rare form of cancer. And and I'm struggling because I miss the connection with people. I miss being able to be there for people when friends have struggles, I'm usually the first one there just to sit and chat and talk and laugh and joke and make fun and, and, and try to lighten the mood and try to lighten the situation. And I wasn't able to do that for this, this friend. Um, I just now found out five, six months later that he's really had a rough go of it. And um, it hurts. It hurts real bad. Um, because that's not who I am down to the core. And, you know, you mm-hmm. don't see people every day, so you don't get this opportunity to ask how you doing. Mm-hmm. And I got to tell you, that's one of the biggest struggles that I have with remote work is that if you don't see people every day, if you're not walking by them, looking at them going, Hey buddy, how you doing? You're not having that same connectivity level. And then six months go by and you haven't spoken with them. And then you're faced with the reality of what they've been through. And there are mm-hmm. a lot of people going through some really hard times right now that you yeah. don't even know that they're going through hard times mm-hmm. because you're not seeing them. Right. And um, 
the only thing I could say is what this week taught me was regardless of, of whether or not you're seeing people or in a co or in a building with someone or reach out to some folks, just ask people how you're doing, try to open lines of communication. Cause um, I know people are struggling and I know people are having good experiences too, um, yeah. but they're not able to share them like they normally have been. And, and yeah. you're going to, I think we're all going to come out of this realizing that we miss some pretty key moments in people's lives and uh, we're going to feel pretty poor about that. Yeah. And, and that's, yeah, I'm, I'm, oh. I'm feeling, I'm kind of getting a little bit of both sides because, you know, in, in some ways things haven't changed for me at all because my, my, my group that I hang out with, I hang out online, you know, we've known each other since the beta test days of Xbox live. We've known each other for almost 20 years now when we play on Friday nights together. So that hasn't changed. But having to telework this constant roller coaster of I'm back on base, oh, something happened now, I got to quarantine again, like it's been, is is super hard because if I'm there, I have people that will just walk by and stop by and sit down and talk about something and throw something out there, at least to get some advice, ask a question, get some um, guidance on something, it, it, even though they might not want to consider it like a therapy session. Um, and that's constant. And when I'm here, they're not going to call. They're not going to send an email. There's like, Oh, doc's not here. I'll just deal with him when I get back or I'll just stuff it, which is what they usually do. So I feel like they're not getting the services that they need. My commander completely understands and completely supportive, but I feel like I'm not doing my job and I'm not being there that's the role that I'm supposed to be there to keep those guys healthy and in the fight just because I'm not there. I'm just not available. I'm not that face for them to walk by and sit down on my couch in my office. And uh, that's been the hardest thing for me is knowing that guys should be talking and they're not talking just because I'm not there, you know, and that's, that sucks. So there's that we're lacking. It's that connection with intention bit, you know, like yeah. you, you're used to just connecting because you're there next to each other. Like, I can't tell you how many ideas and things that we've come up with at work that we're just hashing things out because Chris sat next to me in the cube. And we're like, hey, man, blah, 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 blah. Now, for that to happen, you have to connect intentionally with them and call them up. So the little organic conversations and little things that the sparks of inspiration and stuff are are severely lacking. And I think if there's anything, I've missed that. And Facebook and Zoom and none of that is a substitute for just sitting with people. I mean, that yep. there's there's a magic to be had in just kind of doing nothing with somebody. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And, I, you know, valuable. Having a beer. Have, yeah. Having a beer. Yeah. Because a lot of things come out whenever you're just sitting there after work just sipping on a beer and just saying, man, that was a day, wasn't it? And yeah. next thing you know, you're, you're, you're talking about things that mm-hmm. normally don't necessarily talk about with a whole lot of people. And uh, I, I called it my magic Friday afternoon beer hour uh, <laughs> because everybody would just get together. You start drinking and next thing you know, you're having some very personal, deep conversations that you, know, you normally wouldn't have. And you get to learn a lot yeah. about people around you. Right. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Let's cut into some news, gents. Let's see what's been going on in the world of COVID. (laughs) Senators have proposed staying on daylight savings time amid COVID-19 pandemic. Now, when I first read this, I thought, that's ridiculous. 
But the more I think about it, we all hate time change. Jacob's got a new baby. Maybe this isn't such a bad idea. <laughs> Side God, it would help me. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Uh, Republican Senators Marco Rubio and Rick Scott have proposed legislation that, if passed, would skip the upcoming time change and keep the country on daylight savings time until November 2021. Uh, the bill wouldn't permanently keep it in place. It would just be for the, the year. Uh, so that's kind of a, a good thing. Um, but overall, I'm, y'all can read this in the show notes if you want, but overall, the idea of eliminating daylight savings time or time change in general, um, I don't think that's an unpopular opinion for most folks. Now, I do find it strange that we'd stay on daylight savings time instead of standard time, um, which is the only, like, let's do this one last flip. Let's flip it, uh, and then we'll, we'll stay on standard time forever. But they also need to take into account every computer system in the entire United States is going to have to be updated to support a no-go on daylight savings yeah. time. It's not happening. And not in a million yeah. years. Uh, I appreciate the idea. I think that would be awesome. But I don't, I don't want to have to develop that fix right now, uh, yeah. a month before. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Not not only a month before, but right in the middle when people are are not going to work, they're they're struggling with the global pandemic. Let's immediately just let's let's make all these changes at once. I mean, <laughs> sure. why not? Just throw yeah. a grenade just flip the, the switch air. and just yeah, start off. You know, yeah. here here's my here's my issue with with that. Look, I, you know that whole time change, from what I understand, kind of started years ago for agriculture and more daylight for the farmers. Okay, we don't need that anymore, really. So I get changing it, but if we're going to change it, just change it permanently. Changing it to go back again in a year, that's what makes no sense. If you're going to change it, great, but then just change it. Yeah. You know, why had why give us another change we have to deal with next year cuz who knows what we're dealing with next year. Right. Well, and, and I've heard it said before and I thought this was a great way of putting it that the United States is the only place where they believe they can chop off one end of the rug, put it on the other end and have a longer rug. Um, which is what daylight savings time is. Like, we're going to give you more daylight. It's like, you didn't give us more daylight. You just adjusted right. my wake-up time. And farmers don't give a crap because they wake up when the sun does anyway. That's right. <laughs> they don't care about well, clocks. Their was, animals need to eat. Well, and there's also this argument that it saves power, and there's there, but we're there's been multiple society. studies. Well, mo there's been multiple studies that actually debunk that, especially in, in, in the current times, that it doesn't really yeah. save any no. kind of, of power. But, yeah, I, I say switch it and leave it. Let's let's not yeah. worry about it. Let's be like Arizona, Hawaii. They got it right. And part yeah. of Illinois, like a, a small and chunk of Illinois. Of Illinois. <laughs> this doesn't do it. <laughs> All right. I'll, I'm, I'm actually next. I forgot. I've been doing this show now for a half a year, 26 weeks, and I can't get the flip-flop of stories. Steven, what's wrong with me? Welcome, welcome <laughs> to my world. I don't know. I know. <laughs> I feel like now I understand where Ashley's coming from. <laughs> Check in, but don't fly. Airlines are launching flights to nowhere. Airlines are hoping that peculiar concept has some appeal for passengers desperate to satisfy their wanderlust while grappling with coronavirus limitations. They're called no destination flights, and it's an idea that comes as airlines entertain ways to try to boost cash flow among the severe slump in passenger demand caused by the pandemic. I mean, there's what American laid off what 19,000 people a couple oh, yeah. weeks ago. I mean, we're talking about an airline industry that's decimated at this point. So, mm -hmm. um, 
Singapore Airlines is considering launching flights to nowhere out of whatever airport starting in October. Basically, passengers will board the plane, fly around for a few hours, come back. <laughs> it's basically a quirky round trip that includes staycations at the hotels and limousines and ferry rides. So the bottom line is, is that they're faking you out. They're, they're pretending like you're flying somewhere else, but you're not. You're flying out, and then you're turning around and flying right back, and then you're staying at a hotel in your old city and taking ferry rides and everything else, and then you just go home. That's, <laughs> that's essentially what I got from that. Um, there are a couple other, other um, airlines that are doing flights to nowhere. Some of them are offering sightseeing tours. Um, that have resort-like experiences in the airports because guess what? The airports are also empty, guys. Um, so yeah, that's the. What do you guys think about uh, flights to nowhere? It's stupid, Jacob. It's st- like who has the <laughs> hey, money? Let me to tell just you why. Back down. Yeah, <laughs> tell me why, Sean. <laughs> Look, first of all, it's a waste of energy. It's a waste of fuel. It's a waste of time. They're still going to be exposed to you know because they're going through airport security anyway. So, I mean, why do we want to waste all of this energy and all this fuel? Oh, including traffic and pollution for all of that, just to fly you in a circle and put you back where you started. Just get them, put a blindfold on, spin them in a circle and send them down the road. Let them find their (laughs) way home. That's a whole lot cheaper and no pollution. I mean, when I saw that article, I just laughed out loud. I mean, (laughs) come on. Really? How many kids want to see inside of a 747, though? Like, you don't even have to put the plane in the air. Just start opening tickets to the plane sitting in the runway so kids can go look at the the cockpit. Be like, here, 15 bucks, and you can come look in the cockpit and talk to the pilot. I'd pay that for Sam to go look inside a giant, like, Airbus dream whatever. I'd be like, heck yeah, Sam. You get to run down the aisle, look in the cockpit, and then we leave. That's a moneymaker all by itself. Well, apparently the other two companies, EV Air has a Hello Kitty 747 <laughs> that everybody wanted to see. So that's exactly what they're doing. And then all Nippon Airways, they're offering these sightseeing tours of the airport and of the 747, <clears throat> but they're not going anywhere. They're basically that makes, you know, fine. getting fine. on, having drinks. You could go and party and have this nice little atmosphere. And it's just kind of a resort inside the airport. Um, mm-hmm. But the, the the EV air that people are like wanting to line up to see this Hello Kitty uh, 747. So they're all all jacked about that. So Dude. I I agree. I, I think it's a waste of fossil fuel. The sightseeing, the 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 uh, flying you around up in the air for two and a half hours. But the sightseeing tours, look, nobody's in the airports anyway right now. So okay, you got to make money somehow. So sure. let's do your thing. If this is the way you could do it, uh, I wouldn't personally go, but. Maybe you would turn a wing of the airport into like a, a ball. I mean, there's stores. There's a Gordon Biersch beer distributor brewery brew, brewery pub thing in the airport. I'd love to go in there and just eat one day and not fly anywhere. There's, yeah. Do that. If I want to go to the Oyster Street, whatever Jacob and I eat at when we go flying places, like That's maybe right. I would love a breakfast from in there right now. Open the duty free store. For tickets, yep. like you know, go in duty, buy your duty free jewelry in the international yeah. terminal. Like, there's so many options for money making here with these airports at such a lower uh, population or or occupancy. We can do this, mm-hmm. but you know, we're not that clever. Uh, we're just going to put people in the air and bring them back down. You want to know who is clever? Who's that? 
Finland. Folks in Finland, apparently. Finland is going to deploy coronavirus sniffing dogs at the Helsinki airport because the Finns mean business. Finland is set to launch a pilot program involving coronavirus sniffing dogs at Helsinki airport on Wednesday. Uh, they're going to be screening people with dog smells. Uh, if dogs can find heroin, they can find COVID. Uh, the voluntary canine test will deliver results within 10 seconds and require less than a minute of a traveler's time. Uh, in Dubai, health officials this summer began using dogs to analyze sweat samples from randomly selected travelers with more than 90% accuracy. Dogs, man. Dogs have noses. They can smell so much stuff. Um, but I, I'm impressed at the 10-second time, and we consider that accurate enough to allow people to board a plane safely and consider yeah. them clean. Um, I mean, if you look at a lot of the early tests, we're talking about 50 to 75% accuracy. Right mm -hmm. now, the tests are about 80 to a 90% accurate. There are a couple of tests on the market that are that breach the 90% and get up to about 95%. But you're talking about something that's as good as a lot of the tests that are out there. And there are a lot of yeah. tests out there. So yeah. why not I, at this point? It's impressive, yeah. and one of the things the the article does state, though, that the canine tests aren't scalable uh, simply for the time and effort put in uh, to train the dogs to recognize COVID and and have that accuracy that we want. It takes you can't just go dog smell this tissue now you're a COVID dog. Like they have a lot of time and and training and testing going in yeah. to make that happen. So I got something on that. I, I go to the airport or <laughs> caught myself used, there. I used, used to. to go to the airport almost on a weekly basis. And I got sniffed by dogs every single morning. Every single morning we would have to walk through a line and there would be a dog there to make sure that I didn't have any drugs on me every morning that I went to the airport. So yeah. I'm not 100% convinced it's not scalable. I just think it's not scalable in the time frame they're looking to yeah. scale it in. I think if they're yeah. looking more long-term and have kind of a broader outlook, I 100% think it's scalable, just like drug dogs are yeah. uh, in most airports now. This just also hey, taught me uh, that not to use Jacob as a mule. Uh, if anybody out there needs to get drugs from one place to another, Jacob is not your mule because uh, he's he gets sniffed all the time. Go ahead, Sean. No, no, I think it's an in intriguing concept, and we've 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 had evidence of of using dogs for drug sniffing, for bomb sniffing. We have we have that. My only concern, and it's for the dogs, because if this is contagious, as we were just talking about earlier, you know, and they're sniffing and it's in the air, and we have cases where dogs have gotten it. It's rare, but it happens. You know, it's not like drug sniffing dogs they're going in they're sniffing heroin you know they just can pick up the scent of it okay uh, they're not they're not sniffing explosives and become explosive themselves but this is something that you know you could conceivably have that happen now if they met there may be some way for that not to happen great i think it's an intriguing concept i just feel bad for the dogs if it puts them at risk for it you know that's the that's only, the only concern i have point. as a dog guy yeah that's a good yeah. point yeah that no that's perfectly valid um because if a dog can catch it, then a dog sniffing for it can catch it. And then you're you're out of commission, right. which still goes into the yep. not scalable portion. You have half yep. your resources oh, yeah. out sick. 
Unless yeah. we could come up with a do- vaccine for dogs. And speaking of vaccine, Johnson and Johnson enters late stage trial testing. Nice segue. Well yeah, you're welcome. J and J parent company of Jansen is a fourth drug ma- uh, ma- um, drug maker backed by Operation Warp Speed to enter uh, late stage testing. The others are uh, Moderna, Pfizer, and AstraZeneca. The trial will enroll sixty thousand adult volunteers across two hundred fifteen locations in the United States and other countries, and will likely take six. To, uh, six weeks to two months. Uh, participate. You don't need to know any of that. Um, <laughs> four vaccines. Are, yep, I already said that. Thank you, Dr. Fauci. Uh, this is an unprecedented feat for the scientific community, made possible by decades of progress in vaccine technology and a coordinated strategic approach across government, industry, and academia. It is likely that multiple COVID-19 vaccines regimen uh, regimens will be required to meet the global need. The Janssen candidate has showed promise in early stage testing and may be especially useful in controlling the pandemic if it's shown to be protective after a single dose. Uh, then that was words of Dr. Fauci, and which is a big deal because I know a lot of these drug makers are talking about two to three doses for it to be effective in storage conditions that aren't ideal. And so this is one, if it, we may be able to, to, to just take a small step forward if it's only a single dose, um, which which would really help as far as getting more people to to accept the vaccine. You can right. stop me if this moves into territory that you're trying to avoid. But if we recall, Johnson & Johnson's talcum powder was giving people cervical cancer and they were like, not us. So I'm not the biggest fan of Johnson & Johnson's uh, anything at this point. Um, I understand the business implications. I understand everything that they were doing. I still think that's kind of shady. And I would the Johnson & Johnson one is the last one I would volunteer for. If given the opportunity, I know they're all shady medical companies, but that one has things that I recall being a major issue. And I don't, I don't, I would yeah. go with them last. If that was well, me. and you also have to realize this isn't technically the formal Johnson and Johnson. This is Janssen. So this is a company that Johnson and Johnson acquired. Fair um, enough. A couple of years ago, but yeah. I definitely see your point. And that's, it's an interesting question because we've been dangling this topic out in front of our listeners for the last several weeks about anti-vaxxers and not anti-vaxxers in the traditional sense, but anti-vaxxers in the, you know, something Johnson and Johnson has a pretty shitty reputation. And I don't want a vaccine from them. So I'm not going to get their vaccine. AstraZeneca, when they come out on the market, ah, I don't know about them either. But Moderna, <laughs> if they come on the market, then I'm going to get it. And so yeah. we, we we start to have these discussions about uh, are we actually able to achieve the 60 to 70 percent that need to be vaccinated so that we could generate that herd immunity um, so that we could start kicking this thing in the ass? And I don't know if that's going to be the case because of things like you just said. I, I think if Johnson yeah. Johnson comes out, then I'm not going to take it. That's actually going to be work against us if Johnson and Johnson does come out on top of this. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to I was going to let you go, Sean. You look like you had some thoughts. No. No, you know, it's just one of those things. It's just one of those things where I I think we have to be careful with any of these because. Oh, yeah. I do not think that they're rushing these to market. I think they are going through the steps that they need to go through to develop these in an ethical and an appropriate way. But the faster you go, the higher the likelihood there, there is of errors being made or mistakes or whatever. And then you could end up having something like that. You know, of course, in my head, I'm thinking, you know, the, what is it? The girl with all the gifts, the, 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 the oh, zombie movie thing, where they get, yeah. you know, 
Yeah. You know, you keep thinking about those kind of things happening. Of course, not really, but uh, but that it could create another issue because yeah. they missed something or because some measurement is off by one millimeter because they rushed one extra day or whatever. You know, there's always going to be risk. Um, but I would I would be reluctant for any of them until I got some good data on all of the human t- testing that's been done beforehand. And I would need to see the data before mm-hmm. I said, yep, I'll go do it. You know, well, so. and, and what's interesting about your comments and and Steve and, and really all of our comments is we're talking about mistakes. And what I'm worried about is not the mistakes, because, yeah, sure, mistakes mm-hmm. happen. What I'm more worried about is that we haven't been given the time to fully appreciate or understand or even digest what we're seeing. Um, mm-hmm. We're expecting a decade's worth of research to be done in 10 months. And yep, yep, yep. this is a decade's worth of institutional knowledge that we generate and understanding that we generate over decades. It's not an understanding that we're generating over 10 months. And we're mm-hmm. able to digest it. It's not like the flu vaccine where we've known it for the last 25 years and we're able to digest it and understand it. This is something different that has, mm-hmm. uh, as scientists, you only have seen for the last 10 months or six months or yeah. however long we've been working with it. Right. So yeah. um, I, I'm not worried about that mistakes. I'm more worried about the lack of institutional knowledge that we have. Right. Um, and, and that's where I think we're going to get raked over the coals if something does get wrong, go wrong because mm-hmm. we just don't know. Yeah. Yeah. But the good yeah. news is we live in America and in America we have side effects that we medicate and then medicate the side effects from those medications. So if the vaccine does cause, cause side effects, we will make no. a pill that will cut those off that we can medicate you with. <laughs> don't get me st- don't get me started on over medicating please don't get me started on that I'm, I'm oh wait picking. wait this is a it's a hot button topic maybe we should bring it up in the deep when, when you when you when you have clients come in your office that are on five different psychotropic medications and it ends Ooh. up being they're on this medication and then they're on this medication for this side effect and da 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 and, and you know and you know when i was in private practice i worked mostly with kids and and I'd have kids coming in on two or three different medications, and I would I would just ask the parents like, okay, do you un- do you know how this is working? She said, they well, they're doing this, and that. I said, okay, well, wait a minute, you have drug A, and you had the effect of drug A, you had the effect of drug B, you had the effect of drug C, you had the effect of the interaction between A and B, B and C, A and C, and A B and C. How in the world can you tell what's causing the effect on this kid? Um, and I had so many times where I'm like, you need to go by the doctor and say, this kid needs to be on a, a drug holiday for six months or three months and start over because yeah. it's just too easy for them to go, okay, well, they're having this side effect. Well, this will help with that side effect. Well, now you just added two effects on it and it just grows exponentially. So yeah, it is one of my hot button issues, but anyway, so no, yeah, thank be you careful. For that with quick, that. Yeah. Thank you for that quick dive down into contraindications of medicine. Uh, Cause that's, that's I mean, a big, that's a big deal. It's, it's a real thing. And I'm, yeah. I'm not anti-medicine at all. I mean, I'm all sure. for it, but I mean, be responsible and not just throw on two or three or four at a time. Yeah. So right on. Life is better through chemistry, baby. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> keeps, keeps some people employed anyway. NFL finds five <laughs> teams and head coaches that violated mass apologies for over a million dollars total. Are we ever not going to talk about sports ballers and do it the wrong thing? I, 
Um, I, I got to bring sports ball in no. every week, Stephen. It's because they keep doing this stuff. The NFL is giving teams who violate their COVID-19 protocols a little bit more than a slap on the wrist. The league is levying six-figure fines on teams that do not follow their COVID-19 protocols on the sidelines, especially with regards to wearing masks or other face coverings. Though the league tests both players and staff weekly, the league still mandates team staff to use a protective mask during games to, put to, to combat potential spread. I, can, I would love to see a football player come in off the field after giving it you know his 110 percent and slapping on his mask so he can sit down and drink gatorade like y'all this is stupid um the fines total 1.7 million dollars for protocol violations for the nfl hitting into week three of the 2020 season additional fines could be issued uh to the coaches and teams five teams let's see who they were the saints the raiders mm-hmm. the broncos the seahawks and the 49ers have been fined two hundred fifty thousand dollars each for violating the rules while their coaches, Sean Payton, John Gruden, Vic Fangio, Fangio Pete Carroll, Thank and you. Kyle Shanahan, uh, respectively, have been hit with an additional $100,000 fine. Lead from the top, man. Coach needs to wear his mask. Everybody else wear their mask. Uh, Gruden and Payton have previously tested positive for COVID-19. Um, but league requires the coaches to wear masks on the sidelines. Yeah. Yeah, right, look, Jake. and I'm, I'm, a, I'm a football fan and I'm a Seahawks yeah. fan, but that was Ooh. just... Not smart. I mean, no. it's just, and I, I find it interesting. Well, I'm no, I'm not going to go there. I'm just going to let that go. Um, <laughs> oh no, of, you can go there. <laughs> I I just find it interesting that that you have represent representatives of cities that tend tend to be more open to, hey, we need to be serious about this, and not the other side. That's all. This is not a big deal. Are two of the cities, you know, teams that did this. You know, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I, look. Shanahan's a smart guy. Carol's a smart guy. I don't know why any of them. Well, they're all smart guys. I don't know why any of them did that. And uh, you're right. It's lead from the top. The, the the players are not required to wear a mask because it's constantly in and out. But they do testing constantly. But the referees, all the staff, and all the coaches are required by the league to wear them. If nothing else, to lead by example. And if you're not going to do it, I'm. I'm perfectly happy with them slapping them like this. You know what? If you give them a, a slap on the wrist, they're not going to care, and they'll do it again. Give them a ten thousand dollar fine, fine, whatever. Hit them hard to begin with, and maybe they'll take it seriously. Because that's that's the biggest problem. We just have a lot of not, not enough people taking it seriously. So. Yeah, there there are two there are a couple other issues with that. Um, number one, the fact that they've a couple of these coaches have had it before. They automatically think, yeah. oh, well, because I've had it, uh, obviously I'm not going to get it and I'm not going to give it to anybody, which is false. We've talked on this show how people have gotten it multiple yep. times because the, yep. the antibodies have has dwindled. Uh, the second thing is mm-hmm. a $100,000 fine and $250,000 fine to the organization. The NFL just racked up $1.7 million in revenue off of their own coaches and teams because they their five coaches didn't wear masks. 10%, hold on, let's just argue that a, a person, you and I, let's say we make $100,000 a year, just random numbers, $100,000 a year, and we get fined 10% of our income, right? So we get fined $10,000. Would that hurt? Well, shit, yeah, that would hurt because I mean, <laughs> some of these coaches, they some of these coaches are only making th- maybe three or four million bucks. So we're talking about right. real money to them. It's not, 
Um, yeah. You know, just a, a few hundred bucks here. I mean, we're talking in our money, thousands of dollars and their money, hundreds of thousands of dollars. Heaven forbid they do it a second time. I want to see what that fine's going to be. That's going to be a <laughs> half million bucks. Yeah. 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 I, I just, you know, it's just be, I, I keep saying it over and over, but I mean, all you got to do is be smart. It's not a big deal. You know, I mean, I've, I've seen, you know, um, some of the coaches talk about, you know, my, my mask is fogging things up. Okay. Well, you can work around that. You can find a different mask. I've gone through four or five masks to finally find one that won't fog up my glasses so I can see <laughs> when I'm wearing it. You know, I mean, and I you mean, make Andy a good Reed. bit of money. So you, Andy Reed. Yeah. He, right. he, I that mean, he was the biggest right? one. Yeah. And he went to a second, he went to a second one because after the first week, it was just fogged up the whole time. So he got something different. So, I mean, yeah. you know, it's, there are options out there, people. Just use them. Go to the, go to the astronaut helmet. Astronaut helmets can't fog up. That's the number. <laughs> Call NASA, get whatever they do, and do that. That's your uh-huh. solution. You're welcome. I'm sure they're they're uh, they're not in the stores because they're all sold out. Speaking of sold out, you want to yeah, know what is also sold out? <laughs> canning supplies. That's what's sold out. Pandemic canning demand leads to shortages of lids and jars. From first, it was coins and yeast and cans and flour and Dr. Pepper. Now, the most recent shortage canning supplies, guys. Canning supplies. Um, apparently, the uh, entire canning industry has seen unprecedented demand for supplies uh, as consumers now prepare meals at home during the pandemic. A spokesman for Ball, the company that produced mason jars and other suppliers said uh, the demand has resulted in supply constraints extending lead times and recently limiting product availability at stores online uh, to replenish the stock as quickly as possible the company says it's increased glass production um, found additional lid manufacturers and expanded its pack out locations uh, apparently this is a big deal because you can't find canning supplies anywhere you go and i also found out that this isn't the first canning shortage that we've had apparently in 1975 i, I don't know why in 1975 but apparently in 1975 there was a run on canning supplies as well and uh, I think I need to do my homework and try to understand what happened in 1975. Anybody in the chat, if you guys know what happened in 1975 <laughs> to cause a canning shortage, if there was another viral thing going on, but I don't think there was. Uh, I would like yeah, to point supplies. out, Jacob, that when we moved our in-laws to he- to here, how yep. many jars and lids do you think we gave away uh, when we did that? 50? No less than... 50 containers worth so (laughs) probably more like i don't know 600 to a thousand jars we'd be sitting on a gold mine right now we would (laughs) we've made mistakes doc was right again we lose gold doc (laughs) our father-in-law is a bit of a hoarder and uh and he had a quite the hoard of canning supplies in his garage Uh and uh and yeah he's always right now i'm now i'm more scared about other things that we got rid of (laughs) i I, I just i just see the two of you walking down the street you know in some big city with a big trench coat and go hey you want to buy a jar (laughs) over here i got jars over here you need need eight ounce 16 ounce we even got the 32 ounce the big boy this will fit a whole set of pickles get down But apparently there's price gouging going on, too. So if you go to Amazon and try to look at some of this stuff, people are finding that they ain't what the the price isn't what it was last week. It's like uh, multiple 
multiple uh it's like 3x what it was last week so yep yep oh some, man some ridiculous shenanigans going on with canning supplies right now it's Landon like, was right man he was Landon was right it's like it's like xboxes playstation 5s rtx 380s and cans that's that's the thing that's <laughs> this is what this week has been nobody can get anything that they want it's just like a complete disaster <laughs> <laughs> well that's the news thank you all for uh for hanging in there let's get into to a quick uh deep dive i don't know how deep we're gonna go on some of this but i know we had a couple that we wanted to swing it at you sean um hold on segue there we go yeah but uh but one of the things you're the only person we've met that has and we we touched on this a little earlier because we we yeah, talked about yeah. it at the top but what do you have any advice if somebody gets COVID? Do we just throw our our loved ones in the basement and move on uh, and wait? Is yeah, what's the lotion on? What's <laughs> <laughs> well, the Purell I mean, on its look, hands? Well, I mean, it's just using standard precautions, you know, universal precautions, and and washing your hands constantly, staying separate. I mean. Try not to be in a place like I, I was mentioning earlier. Try not to be in a place where the breeze is blowing on you like downwind. I mean, it's it's standard stuff if you just use common sense. Um, and, and if you do have somebody in your family that gets sick, you need to have those conversations like we were talking about earlier. We need to go ahead and have plans in place on what we're going to do when this symptom happens, when this symptom happens. And let's just have it in place. So that when we all start panicking because our loved one is getting sicker, we're not having to panic and think about what to do next. We've got it written down. We've got a plan in place. We know where we're going to go, how we're going to get there, who's going to take care of the kids if we have kids in the house, Mm -hmm. and so forth. Um, It's just planning and being smart. And, you know, if, if if your spouse has it, it's okay to not sleep in the same bed with us. It's okay to sleep in separate rooms. It's not a threat to your marriage or anything. It's just being smart so that you can be there for the kids. Right. Um, and you know, I have, um, you know, two of my, two of my boys, I have three boys, two of my boys are kind of on the spectrum, you know, Aspie and high functioning autism. My youngest one, um, is still here in the house. He's just started college, but he here lives in here, here in the house with us. And, um, he wears a mask in the house, you know, just because he's very rigid about this stuff. And and I'm cool with that. And I have to help him with some like video assignments that he has for his online classes. And so I'll set it up and then I'll back away and, and, you know, to, to get to his comfort level so he can do it. And then when he's done, he'll move away and I'll move up and record whatever I have to record and we'll do what we have to do. So it's just thinking and planning ahead is really all you have to do. Uh, you don't have to walk in fear. You don't have to live in fear. Just, just plan. What about meals? Because one of the big things in my house is meals. I mean, we love to yeah. sit down. We love to sit next to each other. We love to 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 just break bread together. How are you handling it now that not you're past the quarantine stage and yeah. in the quarantine stage, if that yeah. makes any sense? But, you know, and I hate that I'm not a very good example for these things, but, you know, because two of my three kids were on the spectrum, they had eating issues and diet issues and restricted diets. And so we never really had family dinners because we had two out of our three kids that wouldn't eat what we ate. And so we, you know, and so they would eat what they would eat. And, you know, Kelly and I and the middle son, Luke, we would fix dinner. Um, But now it's just Kelly and I and, and our youngest son, Mitch, that are here. And, 
So he has his own thing. He does his own meals. He, he has his specific things. He eats the same thing every meal, every day. And he fixes them and takes care of himself. And um, Kayla and I just fix a little something for each of us. And, and right now, I'll grab something to fix. And she'll say, hey, can you fix me a sandwich? Sure. And I'll take it up to her. I mean, yeah. you know, but we didn't have, we've, we've never had the luxury. And it's, it's sad, really. But we've never had the luxury of having family dinners like that. Um, we had them when I was growing up, my wife had them when they were growing up, but, uh, just because of the nature of our children, we've never had that. So yeah. I don't really know what that would be like, <laughs> to be honest yeah. with you. Yeah. Well, you what about do with... Kelly, how's... Go ahead. No, go ahead, Jacob. I was going to say, how is your wife's mentality going? Cause it sounds like, you know, you're a pretty close family, but right now she's kind of uh, keeping her distance. She's, she's segregated away from you guys. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. how's her mentality? Because I know 14 days of this, man, yeah. that would, I would struggle. It's, it's, it's rough for her because she is definitely the extrovert in the family. I'm more the introvert. So if I was stuck in the bedroom by myself, as long as I had a TV and a computer, whatever, I'm pretty much going to be okay. <laughs> you know? Um, but for her, I mean, you can tell when she's up there for a few hours by herself with no contact, I mean, her symptoms actually get more pronounced. Uh, we were talking about it earlier. She's, you know, that when her fever was wearing her down, she had no energy. She was just feeling really yucky. And then she got a call from one of her friends across the street and they, and it perked her up. She felt better. She felt more energetic. And as soon as the phone call was over, the symptoms felt stronger again. My mom called her earlier today. Same thing happened. So she's really needing that. And, um, I try to go up and talk to her. I have a hard time just talking to her through the door you know, with it closed. So I'll try to open it. But then, we both start getting a little uncomfortable with that. So I think after, starting this afternoon, we're just kind of doing video calls with each other just so she has somebody to talk to. It's really hard for her. Um, this is the woman that will um, typically get on the phone with her mom and they might talk for five hours on the phone. Oh, um, oh wow. On, a re on, a, on, on the regular. Yeah. You know, when they talk, they talk for hours. And, and so that's just, that's the hardest part for her. That and the fact that, you know, she was just pissed that she got it because she's like, you know, of all the people, the person that is most diligent about taking care of making sure everything's clean and healthy, she was the one that got it. And she knew that it was going to interrupt things in the house, interrupt things for, you know, taking care of my cousin's sons. Uh, she knew it was going to disrupt all of that. And it just made her mad. She didn't like that because she hates and she hates being dependent. She hates having to say, hey, can you fix me something to eat? And oh, yeah. I'm like, absolutely. D you know, the husband actually gets to feel important and do something, right? And <laughs> but, she, but she hates it. She, she absolutely hates it. So that's been the hardest part for her. What about your sons? I know that they're involved in, and uh, you said you mentioned they're on the spectrum. Change yeah. in routines, which obviously this is a pretty big change in routines. Yeah. How are they yeah. dealing with not being able to really communicate and see uh, their mother? Well, you know, well, you know, one of the ones on the spectrum, you know, is Connor, you know, my, my co-host on the, on the podcast oh, yeah. and, and, and he lives in Ohio now. He, he moved to Ohio with his fiance. So he's, he's doing his own thing. You know, he's just yeah. goofy Connor. But, uh, <laughs> and Mitch, Mitch is more the high functioning autistic kind. So he's okay. much more isolative. He stays in his room most of the time. Um, and so it hasn't really changed him much. He has his routines. It's like, okay, it's like, you know four o'clock Wapner, <laughs> you know? Yeah, no, and, right. and, uh, so it hasn't affected him that much. Um, and because he's so 
apprehensive about the whole COVID thing. He chose to take all online classes because he didn't want to take a chance going into class, even though it's his first semester in college. Um, that he doesn't check on mom much, but he didn't before. It hasn't changed. That's just him. Um, and my middle one that's in Auburn, he's a 21-year-old Auburn student. And I yeah. think that pretty much describes him. So yeah. I, I, I'm not going to go any further on that one. This was to kind of leave it there. You know, I know what kid, your son looks like. <laughs> I know what he looks like because every dude at Auburn looks the same and every girl at Auburn yep. looks the same. They're yep. all more attractive than if they have any right to be. That's that's just my having been to an Auburn yep. football game, which is practically church because uh, everybody's in their <laughs> Auburn polos, except for like the five oh, dudes absolutely. with War Eagle written on their chest. Uh, great. Yeah. Love. Yeah. I, I'm an well, and, 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 you know, and my son, my son's in the Air Force ROTC, so he's in blues where, you know, down there <laughs> yeah. in the student end. So, yeah, yeah. whatever. For sure. I wanted yep. to, I wanted to touch yep. on this. I know we got another topic, but you said no, something, okay. you said something that struck me and I've been considering it a lot in the last week, two words, common sense, because I feel like depending on who you talk to, and what they are thinking at the minute, they think that common sense means something that it might or or means something mm-hmm. different to them. Because you can see people right. going, don't wear a mask, it's common sense. Or you can see somebody going, wear a mask, it's common sense. And I see this thrown out a lot, like particularly in arguments where people just want to assume that their perspective is the right one because it's sense common yeah. sense. Is there yeah. such a thing? Do you guys think there is such a thing? Should we really use that phrase as often as we use it? I'm not battling yeah. against you using it because it is a. Right, I throw right. it out all the time. It's a, it's a, like a colloquialism yeah. at this point. Yeah. Um, but is is that fair to even say when it comes to COVID at this point? Is there a common ground, common sense? Yeah. And I think I think the the trouble with that answer goes back to the fact that you know what what Jacob was saying a while ago that we don't really know what we don't know yet. So it's hard to really know what's common sense. Um, I think, and this is just my my personal opinion, but I think a lot of the disagreements on what is common sense, it's common sense flavored by their political stance. Mm -hmm. I think that's influencing their definition of common sense. If you're looking at common sense just based on the data, I think that's pretty objective. And and I think that's good. I think that's if you do that, that's going to lean you to make some decisions or some agreements more towards what would be considered the right side and some that would be more considered towards the left side. Cause you're just looking at the data. You're not looking at the data in the context of your political beliefs. And I think yeah. that's where a lot of the fights are coming from is because they're just using it as a, as a tool to jump into the argument about I'm right politically, you're right politically or whatever. So that's, yeah. that's my opinion. That's why I see that there's disagreements there. I, it just, I see common sense. I see common sense as a little bit. It's it's interesting that you bring this up because there are there are known truths like don't go out in the rain, don't don't uh, wear a coat whenever it's freezing outside. It's a subject, if you're listening, put on your freaking coat if it's below thirty two. Just <laughs> just saying. No, he's in um, his shorts and his sandals. We know what he's doing. Shorts, t-shirts, and his sandals, and it's freezing outside. He's, he's a hobbit. <laughs> but there are things that I feel like we we take for granted by saying common sense Mm -hmm. um and and that's where i think we need to start drawing the line is that with this there is no such thing as common sense because we we don't know what is sensical what i do know is common sense is take care of the people around you and Mm -hmm. 
if you have somebody that's 80 year old with with uh, potential going through cancer or something like that, mm-hmm. then operate under best practices so that you could take care of him or yep. her and and operate yep. with with those kind of people in mind. Uh, because mm-hmm. I think we learned today that this thing passes around really quickly. And yep. just because you're asymptomatic doesn't mean that you don't have it and that you're not Absolutely. able to pass it along. Um, especially to those who potentially may be more vulnerable than others. Uh, You and me, we may be less vulnerable. We may be able to get over it really quickly, but some of the people in our circle may not be able to get over it. So in my mind, I feel like if you're going to talk about common sense, talk about common sense within your situation, which is I'm doing what makes sense and what I feel like is common sense for the people that are in my circle. And and I think that's, that's really where I, you got to draw the line at this point there in, in a year and a half, we'll be able to talk about more about common sense, but right now I'm not sure that we can. Yeah. We can yeah. Really it's talk still too it. polarizing at this, at this moment, I, I think. Oh um, yeah. But yeah. I think that's like one of the arguments I see a lot is, is that common sense and the, the, the other argument of like, well, I'm, I'm a healthy person. I shouldn't have to wear a mask. And in that, that argument always ticks me off because it completely disregards the fact that it's a contagious disease. Uh, and it's right. like, no one, no one cares. Like, sure. You like, cause I see these posts on Facebook and this dad's group of men, 99% of people survive this thing just fine. It's just 1% of people. I'm like, well, that 1% is somebody's grandma. That 1% is somebody's mm-hmm. kid. That 1% is a 42 year old doctor who didn't have to die. Um, mm-hmm. and I think that, that those kind of arguments just aggravate the mess out of me. And it'd be like common sense. 99% of people live through this. We're being ridiculous. And it's it's I, I just people can't personalize it. Um, they can't personalize that two hundred thousand person number. Maybe let's. All right, we can't pretend like nothing happened. That uh, that cut out there in the in the ed- audio is going to be because Discord died, and that's what we used to talk to each other. So now we're we're, we're pivoted. <laughs> uh, common sense is going to have to wait. It sucks because we were just about to wrap the show. Um, common sense is going to have to wait. Is probably a good show title. <laughs> come to think of it. Um, let's go ahead. I know it's late. That really drove us over time, but Sean, you got yeah. a prediction for us in the next five or six months. I, I don't think I, to be honest with you, I don't think it's going to get better. Um, I think when the cold weather hits, um, uh, and people are spending less time outside and more time inside around each other. Um, I think we're going to have like this bimodal distribution. I think we're going to have first, we had that huge boat blow and we had little bit of a dip and I think it's going to come back. Now that doesn't mean that we're not going to be better prepared to handle it once that happens. But I, I, yeah. I, I think we're in, in it for the long haul because even if the, the drug companies come up with a, a vaccine in the next three to six months, I don't know that it's going to be widely available or, or widely trusted for at least a year from now. That's yeah. just my guess, you know? Interesting. Um, what do you think about the flu season? Do you think the flu season is going to be like Australia where it's not nearly as bad as what we've seen in the past? Or do you think it's going to be just as bad uh, coupled with COVID? I think it's going to be, I think you're going to have both. And I think it's going to create a lot of anxiety and panic because people are going to have the regular flu and assume or fear that they have COVID. And so I think it's going to create a drain on the, on the, the hospitals and the medical profession because you're going to have even more people going in Whereas before, they say, okay, I got the flu. I just need to treat the symptoms. I'll be fine. But if they have the normal flu, they're going to freak out and go into every ER that they can find. And so I worry about that, about the the, the hospitals and the doctor's offices just getting inundated um, with people that are just afraid that it's COVID when it's not. 
yeah, the cold or the flu or something else. Now, here's yeah. the last crystal ball or or what is one thing that you thought for sure you knew, but it turns out you really didn't know uh, according to like this COVID situation. I thought that my wife would not be one of the ones who would get it. <laughs> <laughs> of all the people. That she's the one that got it, you know. I mean, when 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 Luke went back to college, I'm like, eh, I fully expect it to happen at some point, you know. Um, but I just just because of the life that she has with you know the work that she does, and then being home and us not doing a lot other than church and going to the store, and she was managing all that well. Um, for her to be the one that got it, that's that's what threw me for a loop. I fully expected I'd get it at some point, but you know, and I may still. Who knows? It's early yet. So. <laughs> Very true. Well, Sean, man, it has been an absolute pleasure having you on this show. Sorry for the technical trouble there. Yeah. Uh, but it yeah, it does. And I appreciate that you being a streamer and podcaster yourself get it. And you're, you're, you're not going <laughs> to yell at the top of your lungs. Yeah. No, no. but um, tell everybody where you can, uh, where we can find your work, what you've got to tell us all about. Well, you know, uh, my son and I do the Gene Pool Variety Hour uh, podcast. We stream that live on Twitch on Friday nights at 8. We used to do it every other Friday, but because life keeps happening and we keep having to delay, I think we're going to start trying to do it every week so that maybe we'll end up doing it every other week. Um, <laughs> so we'll be we'll be on Friday night at 8 and uh, going from there. I also do a work-related uh, mental health resiliency podcast kind of geared towards military populations, but it's open to anybody called Reinforce Radio. Um, and you can find that any, you can find both of them anywhere you find podcasts. Um, and that's kind of where we're at. Awesome. Nice. Reinforced radio is really good, by the way, if you're not listening to it, I'm not in the military and haven't been, but it's real good. Um, so good work on that, Sean. Yeah, I've got it. I've got an, I'm working on an episode that's coming out tomorrow, uh, kind of looking at trauma as residue and it's going to be a two part series. So the first part's coming out tomorrow. I hope I can get it out. And then the next one will be out like two weeks after that. Awesome. This is one of those great opportunities where your hobby meets your career in, yeah. a, in a really fun way. Um, yep, so no, yep. that's, that's huge. So congrats on getting that launched. Um, man, if you like this show and you listen to Sean's shows and you like them, podcast reviews are one of the best ways to support a show you like. You don't even have to write anything. Just put five stars and walk away. Spend a second of your time letting people know that that show's worth listening to. Um, you can follow us on Twitter at staring underscore goats. Uh, or just tweet us questions, that kind of thing. Uh, you can tip us, uh, help us make the show a little bit better, twodorks.net slash tip. And you can join our Patreon page at patreon.com slash dorks, where we have a brand new patron, Jacob. We have a patron. Christina has tossed us some cash money uh, nice. every month. She signed up to be a patron, and she has now our undying love and affection uh, for being part yes. of the knuckleheads on Patreon. She's joined we need to Lex. do her uh, Tater and Dwayne special there. Yes, you're right. We should have done it last night. We'll have to catch up. Uh, but we've got Oddly Normal One, Hammer Dwarf, Og, Adam of Geekheim, Christina, and our parents who support us endlessly through Patreon. And we we truly do appreciate what you do. That money goes to, to good things for us. Um, yeah, I think Adam of Geekheim Server. knows Christina, funny enough. Um, because they're married, uh, and that's okay. We can They can double dip. That's totally fine. Uh, but yeah, thank you guys so much for listening to Staring at Goats, and we'll see you next time. Bye, guys. Bye. Bah. Where's the bass? Oh.